Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I am a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling, dissociated identity disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, and so much more. If you have any need of any assistance, reach out to us at 301-325-1550. Now, today I'm very excited to have at our podcast a very special guest and author, Brent Scarpo, who also casted many of the actors in my favorite movie of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Now, since he is the best qualified person to be able to introduce himself to all of our thousand listeners, I will leave it up to him to be able to take over and provide us some key information about who he is. Brent, the floor is yours, my friend. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you so much for having me. I just love... Uh... I, I love uh, you know the name, the happiness journey, because it truly is a journey, and uh, I'm looking forward to our time together. Yes, my name is Brent Scarpo. Uh, you can learn more about me on my website, which is brentscarpo.com. Uh, I basically, as I shared with you before we got on air, I was uh, born in California, raised in Pennsylvania. Uh, my parents divorced when I was four, so we moved back to Pennsylvania. I've always known that I want to be an actor or in the entertainment industry. So when I graduated from Mercier's College in Erie, Pennsylvania, I moved back to California, studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and started my my happiness journey in terms of my career and my passion. And so, uh, yeah, I did acting and some modeling and I was on cruise ships and I did theater and plays. And then a friend of mine asked me if I was interested in being a casting director, which I absolutely had no desire. (laughs) So for your audience, a casting director is actually somebody who hires people to be in the movies, in the TV shows and such. I was an actor. And so I said, my friend, I said, no, no, no. I said, just, just, you know, give me an audition. I'll be good to go. So she called me two or three different times. And by the third time she was in tears. So I'll let your listeners in on a secret. If you ever want me to do anything for you, just cry. Cause I'll do anything you want. Uh, you know, <laughs> and she said, I'm telling, I'm just being very transparent, and authentic here. Cause that's two, two key components. I think of a good character. And um, I said, what's wrong. She said, I haven't worked for a while because you know, in our industry, you're, you know, consistently unemployed. And I said, well, what's the problem? And she said, well, I got two movies, but they won't let me sign a contract if, unless I have an assistant. I said, well, what are they? She said, one is Ed Wood with Johnny Depp about the B-movie uh, horror uh, director. And the other one's called Rita Hayworth of the Shawshank Redemption. I said, well, that's the stupidest title I've ever heard in my entire life. I said, what's that about? She said, well, it's a Stephen King novella based on a book called Different Seasons. And she's like, I really want to do this because we would be out of town and we make more money. And I said, oh, I said, I don't know. I said, you know, could you just, you know, find somebody else and then, you know, hire, you know, get me an audition. She said, no, I don't have time. I have to sign the contract tomorrow. So I said, well, what, what would I do? And, you know, what, what's the salary? How much am I getting paid? So she told me what I would do. And then she told me how much I was getting paid. My full mouth hit the ground. I said, you should have started the conversation with that. Not ended with that. I said, are you kidding me? You know, I was working kind of a dead end job. So I took the job, understanding networking, flew to Mansfield, Ohio for four and a half months. I was the assistant. So my job um, was to really interview and hire all the guards and all the uh, prisoners, uh, about 3,000 of them. One of the top 10 experiences of my life. Uh, I opened up my own casting company thereafter and worked on films like Air Force One, That Thing You Do, and a movie called Matilda, because my, my niche was... Um, 
athletes and children. I have a big passion for children. Uh, and that's why my two passions really are the entertainment industry and education. And then shortly thereafter, um, you know, my happiness journey had a bit of a bump. I lost my mother in 1997 to cancer at the age of 59. I was a primary caregiver. Um, I was on the Today Show. So if you go into the uh, YouTube and you put Brent Scarpo Today Show, you'll see how my mother and I proved that there was life after death. Okay. Uh, since then, I've opened up a, a life coaching business, which I absolutely adore. I'm an intuitive life coach, and I've married together both the entertainment industry and my passion for life coaching. I even created recently the top 10 Shawshank Redemption life coaching lessons that everybody should know. And then uh, I've been working hard since the Today Show in 2010 on a new book called The Red Balloon, Transform Your Life. Uh, by one inspirational story at a time, uh, which will come out Mother's Day of 2022. Wow. Now tell me, the Shawshank Redemption, was that the original title? No, the original title is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. It is based on Stephen King's novella, Different Seasons. In fact, you're already familiar with one of the movies from the four uh, there's four short stories and they represent each season. Okay. And so Stand By Me, which was, I believe, Summer, was the first film that was done. And then Frank went to um, Stephen King and got the rights. Uh, he actually got the rights for a dollar. And he has the dollar signed by Stephen wow. King in a frame in his office, believe it or Amazing. not. Yes, I forgot about that story. And, um, you know, he produced the, uh, the, the movie and uh, directed it. And um, when, you know, our biggest issue was just the crazy title. So when I went to... Uh, public relations they said you know this is this is just not a title people are going to go and see as far as a movie so they cut off Rita Hayworth though she's in it still or, or the, her story is and they just call it the Shawshank Redemption. So why did they choose Rita Hayworth as the actor because in the movie I remember Morgan Freeman and the rest of the prisoner were seeing that movie for a hundred times when Rita Hayworth turned her head and she looked all beautiful what why did they choose that actress for that movie? Right. So that's the Stephen King uh, choice. I'm not sure why his choice was that, but I suspect because we're talking about this is a period piece. So if anybody hasn't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. It's one of the top 10 films you have to see before you die, according to the American Film Institute. But um, you'll, you'll remember, you know, this goes from 1947 to the early 70s. And so uh, Tim Robbins' character, uh, Andy Dufresne, was incarcerated during that time. So, you know, when we're talking about the 50s and the 40s, you know, Rita Hayworth was it. She was the girl. So I suspect it was a period piece choice. And then I won't give anything away, but you remember that, you know, Andy Dufresne wanted a poster of Rita Hayworth yes. in the cell. So there is a significant <laughs> reason why, why Rita Hayworth is in, is in the film. <laughs> so did you meet... Uh... Uh, Morgan Freeman. Everybody. Everybody. Wow. I spent four months. I partied with them. I hung out with them. Some were a pain in the butt. Some, most of them were wonderful. Yeah, I would say Morgan Freeman is just phenomenal. One of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, Frank Darabont was the director and producer. He'd never directed a film his entire life. So the fact that he got the rights to do this after writing it was just phenomenal. A lot of us had been in, uh, this was not our first time, but it was a fledgling you know, crew. Um, and uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. We'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll test your listeners' knowledge. So Go ahead. Uh, Deborah Aquila was the main casting director. So she got, you know, the main, like, 
Morgan Freeman and such. And then we went and did the day players and the background uh, actors. But Tim Robbins is not supposed to be in that film. So the agreement was uh, Castle Rock Pictures said, well, let you direct, but you only get $25 million and we have to have an A-list actor in order to give you that $25 million to play the part of Andy Dufresne. So Deborah Aquila, working uh, with her, found the A-list actor. It was not uh, Tim Robbins. Okay. So here's the, here's the million-dollar question, listeners. Who is supposed to play the part of Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption and quit six weeks before we were supposed to start principal photography because in his like 300 page contract he has the right to change any of the dialogue whatsoever and one certain scenes taken out of the movie and frank darabont said no and he replied okay well thank you very much i'm gonna move on so who do you think this is 1994 we need an a-list actor to play andy dufresne who did we originally have and quit Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I saw this movie so many times, but uh, I, I thought that he was the, uh, well, was it Harrison Ford? Oh, that's a great, so the guy, so you could be a casting director, could have been Harrison, it was not Harrison Ford, but that's a great, uh, I'll give you one more guess before I tell the audience. Audience, you think about it as well. Uh, wow, that, okay, can you give us a hint about this actor? Did they play in a specific movie? That's okay, 1994 was a number one paid actor, been around since he was a teenager. Was and you will be shocked when I tell you. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Um, <laughs> oh God, hold on a second. I. Mm. Uh, time is up <laughs> okay tom cruise tom cruise thank oh. god he quits that's all i can say it i would say to you you know you know the happiness journey is 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 a lovely journey and so is the creative journey and so you never know how things are going to create and what are the obstacles challenges uh joys that occur but he's the one that got the part. He was supposed to play Andy Dufresne. And I would suggest to you that it never would have been the popular film that we're talking about today had he kept that part. Um, and, you know, it was, all, it was all well and good. There were certain scenes he wanted taken out. They said no, he left. And the next person on the list was uh, Tim Robbins. And thank God, because Tim Robbins represents every man. That's true. Uh, actually, right before you give the time, I thought it was Tom Hanks. I know. Now, that was a good... Now, if you, if you think about that... It's a good answer because Tom Hanks was in, we got uh, nominated for seven Oscars. And so he was in um, uh, Forrest Gump and we were up against that, oh, that yes. year. Okay. And Forrest Gump, I think, won. So yeah, it, he couldn't have been, unfortunately. But do you think that would have been a good choice? Do you think he would have been able to do as good job as um, the other actor for Andy Dufresne? Well, here's another bit of information. So uh, Frank Darabont, the director of Shawshank Redemption, was so successful that he got a four-picture deal, right? Mm -hmm. And so the second picture, which I didn't really, I wanted to work on, but I couldn't just because there really wasn't a lot of background, uh, was a movie called The Green Mile, and yes. Tom Hanks was the star. Oh, yeah. So he did use him. Um, no, I don't think he would. I think because Tim Robbins was known enough but was not that celebrity star 
you know, my acting teacher used to say this, if you really want to know whether or not an actor or actress has done a good job, when you walk out of a movie, listen to what people are saying. Are they saying, oh, that Forrest Gump, I felt so sorry for him when his mom had died. Or are they saying, oh, Tom Hanks, he, he did such a great job. If they talk about the character, then they've done their job. If they talk about the actor, well, that's not who was on the screen. That is a very good way to look at it. That is yeah. very interesting, Brian. So that from this movie, what did you decide? I mean, the experience must have been incredible. And I also you and I, we discussed earlier about uh, that they do some tours in the Ohio. Prison. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the film garnered seven Oscar nominations uh, and then, it, you know, and it really wasn't watched before we were nominated. No one watched it. it really, they really didn't. And then it was nominated. And people were like, what is this film? Right. So people started watching it and then they got completely hooked. Yes. And, uh, you know, I will say to you that the original, uh, the, the locations, Bamsville, Ohio, that is an old abandoned prison. It's been there since the late 1800s. They've demolished most of the back of it, but that Victorian, um, Main house still sits there. They do tours in Mansfield, Ohio. That, I think hundreds of thousands of people have been there. They still do shooting. Uh, I've been back two or three times. Um, I know they went back. We celebrated the 25th anniversary two years ago, and Frank and the entire cast went. And had, I, I unfortunately could not go. I was sick about not being able to go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's lived on in people's minds and hearts forever. And you know, as I shared with you, I I developed you know. 10 life coaching lessons from the film because when I decided to marry these two things together yeah and um a lot of people don't realize the caption of the movie we have uh there's a number of posters out there we got one poster and then on the 10th anniversary we got a second poster which I put up next to the first one and I had had this up for years and I never looked at the caption and every film has some kind of byline or caption and so the caption for Shawshank and I think it's so indicative of where we are as a society today in the last five to 10 years. Okay. It is fear can hold you prisoner. Hope can set you free. That is the subtitle of the Shawshank Redemption. Fear can hold you prisoner. Hope can set you free. You know, you're a therapist. We, we got to face our fears and create the necessary action steps to overcome them. We got to embrace the hope of getting out of that prison, whether it's a prison of our mind or a prison of our own making. And uh, as Andy Dufresne did, take that little small hammer and just chip away and allow time to be able to uh, be your victor. Wow. So the 10 lessons, um, yeah. you just go through them like briefly. Yeah, of course. So number one, it's the most famous line. I was there when he said it. Uh, Red and uh, uh, Andy Dufresne, it's near the end of the film. And Red's developed this great relationship and he's concerned about his friend. And you don't, you're not sure what's going to go on because he's been there so long. A lot of you listeners, you know, whether it's COVID or lost your job or the loss of a child, it just seems like it's forever. And Andy Dufresne looks at Red and says, well, I guess it comes down to two choices. I can either get busy living or get busy dying. Yes. Right. That's what I said to my life coaching clients uh, when COVID started. I said, well, you can lament all you want. Right, or you can get busy living or get busy dying. So we've got to take these action steps to move us forward. Without action, you stay still and you stay stagnant. You know, two is fear can hold you prisoner, hope can set you free. 
Um, my third one, especially now, is you have to be relentless and tenacious. I love the film. It, it took Andy 20 years to escape Shawshank Redemption with the tiny rock camera. Remember, he wanted to get books. He wanted to develop a library. And the warden said, you'll never get any money. He wrote one letter a week for years before they got so sick of it, they sent him the money. You know, we have to break down our own personal negative walls that we build around ourselves. Um, the fourth one I love is the greatest strength you'll ever have is inside of you. No matter where you are, who you are, what people say about you, you have to stay true to your own core values, right? And this is what uh, Andrew Dufresne did. My favorite scene, oh, it's one of my favorite, and I was there for this one, I tried to get on the set as much as I could, is when they're on top of the roof. And that, let me tell you, that was a hot day. We were there for, God, 12 hours, and they've got that tar. And Nanny goes up to Clancy Brown, who played that uh, horrible, horrible guard, and said, look, I can help you not pay taxes on your wife's inheritance. And he, he's about to throw him off the roof, yes. you know, and he finally convinces him, no, I can, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. I can do this. <laughs> right. And uh, he has this strength. His strength is these are my assets. These are my tools, which marries itself to number five is that your second greatest strength is your tools, skills, and accomplishments. So he knew he was an accountant. He could help out the uh, Clancy Brown's character, but he also said, all I ask is a few beers for my colleagues because, and there's that great scene at the end where we had to wait for the sun to go down. And he's at the opposite of the roof. The other guys are on the other end. The one guy brings over, said, would you like a beer? And then he said, oh, I, I quit a long time ago, right? And so, you know, he didn't need that validation because that strength was already inside of him. Uh, six, uh, this is the... This is the reason why the relationship between Red and Andrew Dufresne exists, Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. Good friends and relationships support you both during good times and bad times. You know, I always say the people you surround yourself is who you will become. I used to work in a prison for two years as a life coach, and uh, I asked them how many of them want to be millionaires. And they all kind of joked and laughed. I said, I'll teach you how to be a millionaire right now. And I said, all you have to do is hang out with millionaires and you will eventually become one. Right. We call it the chameleon effect. Uh, number seven is share the value of you to others. So if you want to be a better version of yourself, you've got to share the most valuable parts of who you are with other people. I think that's got a little bit lost in the last five to 10 years in a very narcissistic society. Um, again, this is where Andy was bold enough to ask for beers for his colleagues tarring the roof. Right. Yes. He knew the value of what he could do, and what he could share. Eight is opportunities can be seen everywhere. You just have to look and listen. Right. Uh, you know, again, Andy didn't have to say anything to the one guard. Um, and then that turned into he was preparing taxes for all the guards and all the uh, uh, and their wives and was able to open up a little tax shop around tax season. <laughs> Number nine, practice random acts of kindness. Uh, you know, that what you give comes back to 10, 100,000 times fold. Um, Andy has an opportunity for those of you who didn't see the film, so I don't want to give away, but he has an opportunity to share his journey of happiness to his friend Red. And he does it in a very new, unique way, invite him to the paradise of Zewataneo, mm-hmm. right? He didn't have to, but he chose to. And last, in life, you must take risks, right? These ties into facing your fears are, as most fears are rooted in not wanting to take the actions necessary, playing it safe and living a lonely, tired and uninspired life will not get you to the dreams and goals and happiness that you want. Beautiful. One question, where was the island at the end of the movie? 
you know, so that, that, that has a sore part for me. So five, like 487 crew members. Right. And they're like, is the last shot. Everyone's going to the Virgin islands, right? Virgin, the Virgin islands. I'm done. And there's two people that there's like maybe three or four people that weren't asked to go. I was one of them. Because there was no background extras. I was so mad it wasn't even funny. And then when I saw the film, I'm like, okay, that could have been done at the Santa Monica Beach. Like, yes. you you went to the Virgin. Are you kidding me? But that was just a way to thank everybody. Unfortunately, no, I, I was not happy about that. But, yep, they, they, they went to the Virgin Islands. So the driving part, was that the big sir? The driving part that he was driving the convertible to go to uh no he- no that's all that's all um, a mountain or a hill somewhere in the virgin islands they flew everybody there okay. uh, oh yeah oh yeah they were there for like a week enjoy themselves oh. i was back in mansfield ohio <laughs> just bumming out crying i'm like i can't go to I, I can't oh. Believe this. oh no everybody everybody i all mean right. the, the scenes maybe 60 seconds two minutes yes, three minutes, bet. Like, best, yeah yeah that was a week wow. and 400 people being flown to the virgin islands so how did they find the the bus? The, you know, the, this was the period of 1947, 1948, the buses that uh, he took, that Red took to the border. And uh, yeah. you know, so, you know, every every movie's got various departments. Okay. Uh, it really takes a, uh, a small army to make this all happen. You look at four to five hundred different people they hire on the crew. And so locations is one they're the ones that find all the locations and then um you have your prop masters and your vehicle people and uh well i'll give you an to answer your question i'll give you an example of what you have to do so my favorite scene in the entire movie really is working with the background when andy dufresne uh locks the guard in the bathroom and he decides to play that italian aria yes and it was on a 78 for those of you that are millennials, look it up. Uh, 78 record, right? And I just remember getting a, uh, I don't know, they called me, said, Brennan, are you doing anything? It's like, no, he goes, we need you to drive to Columbus, Ohio, which is like two and a half hours away because there's this old, old vintage record shop that has the 78 vintage Italian aria that we're playing during page something, scene, whatever. Can you go get it? And I was like, yeah, I can go get it. So, you know, we research everywhere. We had to go in Ohio to find all the vehicles and the phonographs and all this stuff. So it has that consistent look of the time period. And it's my favorite scene because, you know, it really is the extras that are featured and they hear that phenomenal uh, aria. And, um, you know, for as, as, as Morgan Freeman's wonderful voice that comes over in that rich baritone oh, says, the voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, for a, a brief moment in time, everybody, uh, in Shawshank was free when they heard that woman's voice. Yes. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was great because it really did feature, uh, them. The, the, the aria is called, I, I'm probably not going to say this correctly, uh, but it's called Lenose de Figu- uh, Figaro. Okay. Do you have like, can you play it uh, in the, if you have it on the YouTube? I, I, um, you know, let me see if I, uh, that see. so people will, will know what to look for because. Uh, yeah, let me see. Uh, hold on. Let me see if, I, if you can hear it in my YouTube. Let me see if I can get to that. We can make all these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it was an amazing scene. Um, let's see here. Because it really featured the guys. Um, Night. It feel like, because they were all looking up to, you know, at the speed. Oh, just so, yeah, it really is. Um, okay. You just, you want me to just play it so you can hear it, right? Yes, yes. So at least, because this is going to be an audio recording, so people will just hear oh, it. yeah. Uh, Let me know if you can hear it. Yeah. You booked a cozy verbal oh, mountain hold on. That's the wrong one. <laughs> very good. Thing. <laughs> Andy? Oh yeah. <laughs> Andy? I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a great place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our trapped little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free. Wow, that is brings back memory, Brent. <laughs> now, how? One question about the casting. The the warden, the the bad cops, all the you know the the young kid that uh, graduate that passed the the English test. How did you find all those people? So that's an interesting question. I, uh, librarian, especially the librarian. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's a great it's a great question. So um, so the, so the casting, you know, uh, Deborah Quilla was the main casting director. So she got a lot of the people that you spoke about. Um, when we went into Mansfield, we only got $25 million. That's not a lot of money to make that kind of film. I mean, this film today probably costs a hundred billion to do. <laughs> and so anybody that had five lines or less, right? They were all local people in Ohio because we couldn't afford to bring them out okay. or if they had no lines. So that was my job along with my supervisor. Deborah Quilla, um, it's a process. And so what, you know, what, it, it's, what they do is we send out notices to all the agencies, uh, both in New York and in LA. We give a description of the parts that we're looking for. Uh, they send us pictures. Uh, we look at the pictures. Then we look at you know, their credits. They come in for auditions. They're picked. And then we got a cast. Um, I know Morgan Freeman is, well, Tom Cruise was picked first. No, I think Morgan Freeman was picked first and then Tom Cruise. Then Tom Cruise quit. And then they had uh, Tim Robbins. Then the rest of the cast kind of came in as far as the other prisoners and such. Um, it's funny. Here's another bit. So the kid who passed the English test, I actually, he was in my graduating class at my acting school. His name is Gil Bellows. Yeah. Wow. What was, yeah. <laughs> what was crazy about that is that he's not supposed to be in that film. Um, that was like halfway through. and We found out that the actor that, that was supposed to play that part the agent called and said, listen, is there any way we can get out of this? Um, he has a feature film where he's the star. 
we would love it. And for some odd reason, um, Frank Darabont said yes. And so the next person on the list was Gil Bellows. And so I found out he was coming and we had another friend that his wife uh, was the associate producer. Uh, he, all three of us went to the same, we were in the same acting class. And so it was kind of a good deal. But what was interesting is the gentleman that quit and that was supposed to play that part, I forgot about this until you said that, um, was Brad Pitt. You gotta be kidding me. Brad Pitt's agent called and said, is there any way you can get out of this? You know, he's got a, um, a feature film where he starts. Yeah, and so they allowed him and Gil Bellows got it and it changed his career. Wow. So what movie was he casted after Shawshank? I think it was, uh, uh, you're talking about Brad Pitt? Uh, Gil Bellow. Oh, Bill, Gil Bell, uh, he was in, um, he was known as the recurring role in Ally McBeal. Oh, you yeah. know what? Now that you're saying this looks very familiar. I remember. Yeah, yeah I was he, was on, he was on Ally McBeal for a very long time. Um, yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, he played an attorney. And uh, he, um, I mean, I don't know how well his career was going at the time. He's uh, from Canada. Okay. Uh, but I mean, it literally, you know, I mean, that's life. It just takes so many different twists and turns. But I know it was shortly there because uh, he played Tommy and then, um, oh, he played Billy in Ally McBeal. Billy, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to definitely look for one of the, I would say, episode. Um, and when it comes to the others, the, the, were they all IMDb actors that were known or they were like uh, those who had five lines and over or they were just kind of like starters? Um, I would say a combination of the two. Okay. Um, there, you know, it's interesting, especially when you get into character actors. I mean, there's a lot of actors that were in that film that have great resumes. You know, I mean, Shawshank helped them out a great deal. I mean, don't get me wrong, but any stretch of imagination, it really did. Um, but uh, a lot of them, you know, they had credits and they had, uh, I mean, Gil, I think Shawshank Redemption was the fifth acting party he ever had in his entire life, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, it just, it just, everything changed uh, for him. But I think the most of them, they, they had, you know, they had pretty good credits. I don't think any of them were beginners, but they weren't, you know, celebrities or stars, say like Morgan Freeman or Tim Robbins, but they were character actors that have worked consistently. I know the, one of the actors that actually played in many movies, the, if he was one of the prisoners, he was saying like, remember the guy who was reading the book, uh, the author was named Damas or Duma. Remember the, that uh, prisoner? when they were like opening all the books in the library and he said uh, he was Frank Dumbass. And then oh, he yeah, he's, he, yeah, he, really well he is a, yeah, he is William Sadler. William Sadler's yeah. been a lot of stuff. Yes. He's been a like lot Clancy, of stuff. Yeah. Kind of and the, even Clancy Brown, Clancy Bland, who played the really hard-nosed, uh, uh, horrible guard, he's been in a lot of stuff as well. Um I mean, Bob Gutton, he was in Star Trek, The New Generation. I remember him playing a part in that. Uh, James Whitmore, oh my gosh, he's been around for years and years and years. He's the elderly prisoner that um, hung himself. Yeah, librarian. Um, he, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he's been around for, I mean, he's since passed, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think he did one of the Bruce Willis movie, the second one. Yeah, oh, yeah. he. Uh, William, uh, yeah. William. Yeah, 
he goes back to old westerns in the 1940s and the 1950s i mean oh no he's huge that that is really so that's why i I thought that the the shawshank was like the 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 movie that catapulted a lot of actors in that uh yes uh, but yeah when you're when you're in a movie and it gets nominated for an oscar people start to pay attention wow okay and there were a lot of extras huh when you look at the three thousand holy cow and mostly locals right all locals okay and usually every one of them yeah we just didn't have the money okay so what is the pay for extras usually when they uh, take the local one yeah so it's a great question so um you know none of them were unions so that was a different situation but we needed them consistently so i think back then i'm trying to remember exactly it's a great question i think we pay them pretty well actually more so than we do new york and l.a um, I want to say anywhere between a hundred to two hundred dollars a day, just depending on what they did, okay. you know. Um, and they loved it. I mean, they had an eleven percent unemployment rate there. That's one of the reasons why we went. They had the abandoned prison. There was a lot of particulars. Um, I mean, it was just it was it was amazing. I mean, that town we pumped about twenty five million dollars into that town, and I've been there since uh, Shawshank, and it, it transformed. I mean, it went from a town that was dying to you know at least during the times I was back, was doing very well. I mean, wow. one great story, I remember we had 3,000 extras. So, you know, it's a period piece. So they had, they have 1945 haircuts, okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I could, we could go on for hours, but I went into bar, biker bars. I went into gangs. I, I looked for, because we needed notorious looking guys, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember a scary moment because, you know, we had about 3,000 that came to our orientation. We took pictures. We, you know, all that. And then, I mean, these guys had long hair, beards, the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, hair and makeup came to us and said, okay, here are the pictures of what they need to look like. And then we realized, oh, my God, <laughs> we're going to lose them all. We're going to lose all of them. Because, I mean, I had one guy that had hair down to his butt. And we called them all back and we sat them down. I said, look, this is going to be an amazing experience. You're going to get paid. You're going to be in the movie. This is also what we call a period piece. And I I could just see the confusion on their faces. (laughs) What that means is that um, every Friday for four months, we're going to give you a voucher. We made the barbers in Mansfield, Ohio made an insane amount of money. I can imagine we charged, uh, we, uh, they agreed to $2 a haircut, but every Friday, all 3000 had to get a haircut from a 1945 look every Friday to wow. keep the consistency. Okay. And I thought they were all just going to leave. I thought for sure. And we lost a handful, but most everybody stayed. And when we had the first day of principal photography, when they showed up, I couldn't even recognize who they were. Cause I'm still friends with a lot of them on Facebook. Okay. Cause I went, I had, I had a woman, I had an answer machine back in the day. This is 1994, 93. And I, I get back to my office and the phone would ring. And is this Brent Scarpo? Yes, ma'am. My name is Elma Jean Wood. Uh, okay. You have my husband, uh, Jonathan. Uh, listen, you can keep him on that film as long as you like. We've never seen him look so good. He's been mannerly. He's been nice. He smells good. Whatever you're doing, just keep on doing it. I bet I got a couple dozen of those phone calls from girlfriends and grandmas and mothers and wives. Oh, yeah. 
That is amazing. Now, I, I've noticed one thing about this movie is beside the wife of Andy Dufresne, who had the affair with the, the other guy, there was the golfer. The golfer. There was not one woman in that the movie. Oh, you're breaking my heart. Okay, my happiness journey just went to the sadness journey. <laughs> so you're absolutely correct. I had thousands of people audition. And um, I, the original script, right, had a few more women than what we have. Yeah, it's pr primarily men. Yes. Uh, there's the secretary uh, of the warden. There is the one woman on the probation board. And then there's the ex-wife of Annie Dufresne. There was a scene. Uh, in fact, I cast the whole thing. I was so excited. And it's a baseball game between the guards and the prisoners. And all the wives of the guards and all the wives of the prisoners show up at this field. We had the field. We had the 1950s baseball mitts and, and, and they cut it because we ran out of money. Oh, that is interesting. So they, was that the purpose of, of bringing more females into the movie? I think just adding more female, I think also bringing together, um, there's a running theme that you probably will be aware of that I share with you. Well, here, I'll say this to you. Go ahead. <laughs> so when I went to research the guards and the prisoners and such, you know, I went to the old prison, which we sh sh shot at, but I also went to the new prison, which was gorgeous. It was like a college campus. So we had a liaison that was with me all the time. If I had to ask any questions. And I remember going to the prison and she was tiny. She was like five foot one. And we, we were on these paths and then all of a sudden the, bell rings and the prisoners who could leave their pods and go to their classes and stuff. And like, I'm in the middle of this maximum security prison with this tiny little girl who is our liaison. And, you know, all these, all these prisoners like walking freely. And I'm like, they could just jump both she and I, and we, we wouldn't. Have. And I said, I said, are you ever like a little frightened? She's like, no, you know, we, we've got protocols, you know? Um, I said, okay. And I said, you know, can I talk to some of them that are walking past me? She said, yeah, just ask their permission first. So I saw this one guy I said, excuse me, you know, can I, I'm with the film. Oh yeah. I've heard about you. I said, can I ask you a few questions? So uh, we had a couple other people on my, or on the Shawshank team and she kept listening to me and the guy while she was trying to talk to the people in front of me. So I just slowed down my pace. <laughs> I knew the guy wasn't going to talk to me freely. She was really talking to, I think, our associate or our second AD. And so I said to the guy, I said, listen, how long have you been here? He told me, I said, what's the one thing you can share with me that, you know, she doesn't want us to know, want me to know, or that would help me in casting this film? Because my, my role is to hire the guards and, and the prisoners. And then he stopped. And he took uh, his foot and he put a line in the sand, in the dirt in front of me. Wow. He said, this is what you need to know. The line between the guards and the prisoners is a very thin one. Wow. Very, very interesting. So, you know, that baseball scene was to bring together that thin line. Is there really a difference between the guards and the prisoners, right? Uh, I will share with you that you know, a lot of people don't know that a lot of the extras that I put into the film are actually on probation and we're in that prison. And so just for jokes, I, I would say to them, do you want to be a prisoner? Do you want to be a guard? And it's like, oh, I'd love to be a guard, right? <laughs> and so there's a lot of prisoners from that, that old prison that were on probation and uh, I made them guards for the first times in their lives.
that is just spectacular. Wow. <laughs> no, man, I can go on and make us speaking for about Shawshank for the next six hours. I have sure. so other questions. I mean, just the intricacies of, of the movie itself. Because as you know, that was one of the longest movies I've ever watched. Yeah, two and a half hours. And, uh, but yet, it, I was so enthralled by the story on how everything... Also, the, 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 the fact that he was falsely accused for right. killing his wife and the golfer, that again is, uh, is what we're seeing now. Even with yeah. DNA testing in jails and prisons and all that, a lot of people have been falsely accused and put in jail while other who are criminals are on the streets. So that gives us an idea of how society has not really changed much in terms of the judicial system and how people are still experiencing what Andy Dufresne's been experiencing for 20 years. Well, look at what COVID did. COVID, you know, COVID put us into our own prison, right? right? And I think we're all experiencing feelings and emotions of what it means to be in prison, what it means to be victimized. None of us volunteered to be to participate in this social experiment called uh, COVID, right? I had a colleague, uh, a friend of mine, call me at the, halfway through COVID. He said, "You're a life coach." I said, "Yeah." He said, "I need some help." I said, "What do you mean?" She's like, "You know, I've been married to my wife for 17 years." I said, "Yeah, I know." He goes, "I just met her for the first time six months ago." <laughs> I said, "What?" He said, "I have no idea who this woman is that I'm living with," right? Because for the first time, you know, and what prison does, whether it's a, a psychological one, emotional one, or physical one like Shawshank, is it keeps us from running. COVID stopped all of us from running. We were quarantined in our home with the person we call our husband, our wife, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our partner, our kids. And I would say for the very first time in a very long time, right, we had to see exactly who we were and who we are with. Because most people run when the bell rings for school or they go up to the bar or they go to work and then they come back and they don't have conversations. Mm -hmm. They don't really they say, I love you, but they don't really mean it or they don't understand the meaning behind the words. Right. So until you're in a real physical prison, like Andy Dufresne was and your freedom is actually taken away, you come to really realize you know, the core values of who you are and those that you surround yourself with. And that's why I think that film, you know, share so much similarity to the kind of prison we've been in in our own mind and our own physicalness when it comes to COVID in the last two or three years. Well, so can we really assume that what Red said when the librarian committed suicide, that he was institutionalized? It is it, 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 like I could cry now because I was there for that scene as well because I love James Whitmore and when you know and I and I knew it wasn't real and I saw the prop master and I knew the guy but it just the pain of that, right? Because that's where you succumb to the prison of your mind. That's where you, right, allow fear to interfere with the hope, right? James Whitmore's character is institutionalized and he tries. God knows he tries. I, for every scene James Whitmore was on, because I'm such a fan, um, I went to. You know, when he's in that grocery store and he, and he can't bag the groceries because of the arthritis and, you know, and he so he loses hope of what it means to be a human being in the outside world because all of his life has been represented by being inside. In prison, he was somebody, you know, I think you and I spoke about that. Andrew Dufresne's character says, you know, on the outside, 
I was an upstanding citizen. Yes. I actually had to break the law once I got into prison. <laughs> that is a line that made me laugh because, you know, the reality is that it's the complete opposite. People on the outside are criminals. And when they get into the inside of the institution, they become real, like I would say, nicer people. But then him, it was the complete opposite. He was honest as, I don't know what the expression he, he used, as honest as what? I don't know what uh, what he said in the frame. Um, anyway, but you get the idea. And everyone yeah, of course. this movie is going to understand what Shawshank Redemption is all about. Well, Brent, that's all the time we have for today's podcast. I really do appreciate the time you took out of your very busy schedule as a life coach yeah. and as a let me, uh, let me Let me finalize. Let me share a gift. I, I'm being, I'm being uh, just... Uh, I'm having an aha moment. So I'm a life coach. I do intuitive readings. I have a you know four month program. I, here's what I like to do because you've been so wonderful for your for any audience members. And as long as I'm alive and well, so let's do this. Um, I will do a complimentary strategic uh, intuitive reading for any of your listeners. All they have to do is uh, text the word happiness to my. Uh, cell phone, text it please at 760-835-3327. Again, just text the word happiness to 760-835-3327. I will get back to you. And what I like to offer all your listeners is a complimentary uh, intuitive reading that will strategically help them with whatever particular challenges they're facing. Beautiful. Well, all listeners, uh, please take advantage of his uh, complimentary uh, gift. And uh, we all hope that you have actually enjoyed today's episode because I did, as you all know, uh, Shawshank Redemption is my all-time favorite movie. I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories just like the one you heard today. Now, here are a few concluding words of wisdom. Today, be the person of your dreams. See life through their eyes. Make decision with their mind. Let every thought, word, and action come from their perspective as if you have already arrived. And just watch how the year 2022 warps into the kind of year you want to talk and laugh about forever and ever and ever. Peace, love, and lots of love and happiness. My name is Dr. Dan Amzalag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life. Thank you all for listening.